Good morning, church. Listen, um, I tell you right now, I, you know, I've been spending a lot of time looking at this topic on promises, and you know, I kind of had this moment this week where I was, I was kind of, I was studying, and I've got so much stuff, and I had to thin it down two or three times. And I thought, oh God, what's the one thought? I just need one key thought. Because there's so many things that we can sit down and talk about, so many aspects of the promises of God. And so, you know, Dana and I were talking the other day, and I said, you know, I mean, I kind of I kind of let her help me filter things because, you know, there's so many different directions that we can go. And, and we were just talking. I said, you know, I don't, the promises of God are amazing and they're wonderful and and you know I think God made them you know as as a dad you know we make promises to our kids and full intention of of doing especially when we know we have the power to fulfill it and and there's something satisfying inside of us when we can keep that promise and you know do what it is that we promise and it's almost like you like hanging that 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 opportunity that privilege that blessing out there because you like to see the excitement in your kids and so it's like you know when you can say okay we're going to go and you either I don't know you go eat or you go to Disneyland or you go wherever it is because you promised there's just something satisfying and fulfilling in that and I believe that God has that same excitement and joy to bless but I think there's more going on here than we realize and so Dane and I were chatting about this and kind of boiled down to this just a thought and then I'm going to go ahead and move forward through the message today and that is that you know the promises of God are wonderful and I love them and I want every one of them that God wants me to have and I believe that's all of them but God's more concerned about what I'm becoming than what I'm getting but you see, when I become what God has called me, what he's created me for, when, when I move through all the things, because here's the thing, we are in a process, and that was, I think, the word that, that Dana used. She said, I think it's about the process. It's not really about, you know, we're checking the box. Oh, that happened. Oh, I've got that promise. And those are, listen, I love that. I love the promises of God. But sometimes we get our eyes off of the process that God has and God has a process that that we are in and the process is not a it's not a pro, a process to hurt us or to to cause us to be in discomfort or but sometimes we are uncomfortable sometimes we do go through things so let me just kind of uh, you know we're made for more and that's kind of the the, the thought that I you know that I uh, had for this particular message and that is that we are made for more no matter where you are no matter what you're living in, what situation, what place in Christ that you're living, you are made for more. And when we say more, go look in my garage and you'll know what I'm not talking about. I'm not talking about more stuff. I'm not talking about more, let me pile that, pile it high and watch it fly, you know. I'm not talking about stuff. I'm talking about more relationship, more freedom, more opportunity to, to do what God has called us to do and to be who God's called us to, to be. We are created for more. Let me just read a few verses here. And uh, this is Second uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. And it said, we've read this, but I love this verse because this verse to me says so much about what we're talking about. His, talking about God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life 
Let's stop there a second. God's divine power, his divine power has given us everything we need. Now, some of us might argue with that. Really? I need this and I need that. He's talking about a godly life. To, to, to live this godly life. We need for a godly life. To live a godly life. Through the knowledge of him. And that's how it comes. The more we know him. The more we know how he operates. The more we know how he wants us to live. And I don't think he wants us to live with a poverty mentality. Or a, or a lack mentality. Or a, a minimalistic mentality. I think God wants us to be blessed. And we'll get to that verse in just a second. Blessed to be a blessing. Verse 4 Actually, let me finish verse three that says, who called us uh, uh, by his own glory and goodness through these, through these amazing things, this power, all these things that he's given to us. Uh, he says he has given to us his great and precious promises so that, so that, so there's a reason for these great and precious promises? Yes, there is. And this is what the reason he's given us these promises. So that through them, through them promises. I know that's not good grammar. But through them, through these promises that he's given to us, you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. And you know, I, I, I don't want to preach about evil desires I want to preach and talk to you about godly desires. I want more of what God has planned. I don't want to be focused on the negative. I don't want to be focused on the, the evil and the bad. It's around us. It's here. All that stuff is here. But when we can focus on God and we can focus on, first of all, the fact that he's given me everything that I need. He's given you everything that you need to live this life, to live a godly life. To live this godly life. A promise. What is a promise? Here's a definition that I came across and I like this. It's an offer with a guaranteed result. We see those all the time on TV, don't we? Guaranteed. You buy this product and it's guaranteed to make your teeth 27 shades lighter. It's guaranteed to, to cause the weight to peel right off. You will go to bed and wake up the next day. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. You're going to wake up 25 pounds lighter tomorrow. And you think people don't buy that stuff? I guarantee you they do. Because they're still on TV over and over and over. But God's promises are not about the clock. In five minutes, here's the promise. Okay, hang on. Here it comes. Here it comes. No, it's walk it out. God wants us to walk it out. He's called us to a life, not to an opportunity that's going to be here in five minutes or five days or five hours or whatever. He's called us to a godly life. And that's what the promises are all about. Joshua chapter 21. Let me just hit a few of these verses. Not a single one of all the good promises the Lord had given to the family of Israel was left unfulfilled. Everything he had spoken came true or came to pass. Not a single promise that God gave to the family of Israel. I would say this, that not a single promise that God promises to you will fall by the wayside. You might, we might just not hang, hang in there. We might lose a sight and lose our focus and go, oh, it's never gonna happen. But God is faithful. 
God is faithful. Now you stop and you consider the children of Israel. It was like 430 years in bondage and God had promised them that they were going to have their own land. And it's like, really? 430 years? Listen, I don't set the time frames. God does. And he's more concerned about the, prop, uh, the, the process the process. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. This is the message, and I like the way this reads. Let me just kind of set up a few things, and I want to talk a little bit about, uh, about the children of Israel. It says, when God wanted to guarantee his promise, he gave his word. And it's almost like, isn't that kind of saying the same thing? God's word is his bond. His word is, in matter of fact, let's go on. It says, a solid, a rock solid guarantee. God can't break his word. And because his word cannot change, the promise is likewise unchangeable. We who have run for this, we who have run for this very, we who have run for this very uh, lives, to, lives, lives to God, sorry, uh, and every reason to grab the promise promised hope with both hands and never let it go. That was the part I want us to grab. We, we run after this f with our very lives, with everything that we are, and we grab a hold of it, but we don't just hold on to it. We, we, we move through the process. Sometimes we become so, so focused on one thing that we forget to zoom out and to look at what God's doing. God's doing amazing things, but sometimes we are only looking for one little simple thing. One thing, and God's doing this, and this, and this. This is a book of promises that we're talking about, the Bible. The scripture is a book of promises. And they're unchangeable. They're unchangeable. They're unchangeable. They can't change. They won't change. God will not change. And we've talked about a lot of this over the last few weeks. Okay, let me, let me look in here. And I don't think these are on your, on your uh, uh, paper there, but let me just read through a couple of verses. This is Hebrews 6, verse 12 through 15. And this is going to be, and you're not going to see this back here, probably because this is the Passion Translation. I don't know if we have that or not. Uh, probably not. But let me just read through this, and I'll try to read through it slow and more deliberate. Hebrews 6, verse 12 through 15. It says, don't allow your hearts to grow dull. Or lose your enthusiasm. But follow the example of those who fully received what God had promised. Because of their strong faith and patient endurance. Now when God made a promise to Abraham. Since there was no one greater than himself. He swore an oath on his own integrity. To keep the promise as sure as God exists. He said, I have no doubt, I promise to bless you over and over. And I'm going to add a few more over and over and overs in there. I promise to bless you over and over is what he told uh, the children of Israel. That's what he told Abraham. And he says, and to give your son, and to give you a son and multiply uh, you without measure. So Abraham waited patiently in faith and succeeded in seeing the promise fulfilled. The story that we're talking about here actually begins in Genesis chapter 12. And we're not going to go back there. I'm just going to quickly tell the story. Because we're living today in, in, in a promise that God made to a man 
And we are, he's the father of faith. That's what the Bible says. It was by faith that Abraham was justified. It was by faith. So here we are, we're looking at these promises and it's almost like sometimes I think we look at all the promises, the promise for healing, the promise for blessing, the promise for all these things and we're trying to figure out, do I stand here? Do I stand here? It's, it's a life that we live. Abraham was justified by faith because he lived this life that honored God. He followed God. God told him, he says, I want you to leave your father's house. And this is what he told Abraham. I don't think he's telling, I'm not saying he's telling you to do this, but he said, I want you to leave your current situation and I want you to follow me. I want you to come after me. I want you to pursue me. He says, to leave your house, leave your father's house and I'm gonna bless you. I'm gonna increase you. And Abraham was 75 years old when he left. He says, I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna have children. Eventually he says this in, in chapter 15. He says, your, 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 your children are gonna be like the sand of the sea, number innumerable, like the stars of the sky. Abraham's 75 and he has no children, not one, not a son, not even a, not even a, a chance in the natural. He's looking at his life. And he's thinking, really? You would make me a promise like that? Why would you make, he's not saying this, but I can imagine. But what was going through his natural mind? Because I know what goes through our natural minds when God makes a promise to us. How's that gonna happen? Look at my circumstances. Look at what's going on here. So God promised Abraham and Sarah, Abram and Sari, uh, uh, you're going to have a son. He's going to be an heir. So at 85, 10 years after the Lord told him this, uh, Sarah tells, Sari, Sarai, I guess is how I pronounce it, told Abram, look, the Lord's keeping me from having children. Why don't you take my handmaiden, my servant, and you can have a family. We can have, we can have a family with her. And so Abraham, instead of going, well, hold on. He says, sure. So he goes, that's called the arm of the flesh, doing things the way we think it ought to happen, and it created problems after problem after problem, created so many problems. But the thing was, after he went through, and Hagar was the servant, has this baby, and the baby's born, and Abraham, like any father that's been waiting for a son, he loved that boy, he loved him, but he wasn't the one that God was talking about. And so God tells him, well, sure, I'm going to bless him, but the promise is to your seed. There's a difference in being, just being, a, I don't want just a blessing, church. I want the promise. You need to think about that. It's not just about a blessing. It's about a promise that God has made. It's not just about having more, more increase. It's about a promise that God has made. And I'm gonna look today for a couple of minutes at, at this promise that he started, that he gave the children of Israel, that he spoke to them. Get to that in just one second. So he made this promise to Abraham that I'm gonna bless you and I'm gonna increase you and I'm gonna take your, I'm gonna cause your children to be blessed and everything that, everyone that blesses you is gonna be blessed and if everyone that curses you, they're gonna be cursed and all the nations are gonna be blessed through you. You're gonna be blessed and you're gonna be a blessing to everything and everyone. See, blessings sometimes can, can be very, very self-focused, but the promise is to everyone that will believe. And see, it's not about a natural son or a natural child. It's about a child, a person that will trust God by faith, believing God by faith. 
It's nothing that you can create. You can't create an environment in the natural, I'm talking about, that the blessing of God or that the promise of God will flow. God does it in us. We just yield. We yield. It's called just living by faith. So even without a son, God makes Abraham a promise. I'm going to bless you, Abraham. You're going to be a blessing to all the nations, everything. And there's this, there's this big crazy uh, thing that happens. And Abraham steps away from that opportunity, that time he's speaking to the Lord. He packs up his family and they leave their house and they leave their family and they leave the land that they'd been living in for, well, probably for 75 years. And they go to a place they don't even look, they don't even know where they're looking. They don't even know where it is, but they're just following God. It's called the process. God cares about the process. You, everyone in this room is in the process. And my process is different than yours. And your process is different than your children's. And your children's process is different than their children's. Because God deals with us as individuals. But sometimes we get our eyes off of what God wants to do and we look at what he, we want him to do for us instead of in us. The promise is really about us becoming people that God can do in our lives and through our lives what he wants. Let me, this is Galatians 3 verse 29. Let me read this. It says that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's what it says in Galatians. Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, well, that would be me. And you'll have to identify yourself in this. That would be me. That would be you, hopefully. And I know it is for those of you sitting here. That means that you are Abraham's seed. Now, you might be saying, I don't understand this Abraham's seed, this Abraham, the promise. So what, what is it? So God's going to bless me, going to make me rich, and he's going to bless me and uh, make the nations rich, and I'm going to bless everybody through me and through my seed. Well, that's what he says. Let me just go through here. And let me read, actually, this is Exodus, and I'm not going to read this. I'm going to tell the story of Joseph and all his brothers. Okay, so Abraham has a son eventually at 100 years old. He has a son. And so his son, he grows up and has another son, and his son is, uh, his son is Isaac, and he has a son called Jacob. And so the promise was to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and then Jacob has 11 or 12 children. And eventually, all of those children except for Joseph kind of went their own way and they did their own thing. And Joseph ends up in Egypt because it was a process. How does Joseph end up in Egypt in prison? It's the process. Some of you are wondering, how did I end up here? Whether it be Yuma, Arizona or in this situation, whatever it is, how did I end up here? It's a process. It's a process, church. And when we get our eyes on what we want as opposed to what God's doing, we can become very distracted and discouraged. But Joseph ends up in prison because of situations that are unfair and not nice and they're harsh and it's crazy. But eventually Joseph finds himself standing before the Pharaoh because it was a part of the process. And the process is he's standing there and he interprets a dream and God gives him favor with the Pharaoh and the Pharaoh raises him up and he becomes second in command. He goes from the prison to being Pharaoh's right-hand guy. It's the process. And you might be saying, when's that going to happen for me? It may not. Your process might be different, 
But the thing is, is God is going to finish what he has promised, what he said he will do. And so they end up uh, in, he ends up in the, in the, the, Pharaoh's at Pharaoh's right hand, number two man. And eventually his brothers come. You can take time. This is Genesis. You ought to read the book of Genesis. It's the most amazing book. If you can read it in context of how, what's going on, see it, the chronological order of how it took place. And so here's Joseph and he's there and his brothers show up and they have all this and you'll have to take time to read that for yourself. But eventually his, his father and his brothers show up how did they end up in Egypt? It was a part of the process. And so now they're in Egypt and they're all living there. And after they were there for 430 years. Now, obviously, I think uh, Joseph lives 120 years, I believe. So he was probably Pharaoh's right-hand man for about 80 years or whatever. I don't know how it was, but that he was Pharaoh's right-hand guy uh, from about the age of 40. And he died at 120. So don't know how that all looked exactly. But because of the process that God was bringing um, Joseph through, he caused the, the, his, the family... The, the, the family to, to come along. And the, the promise continued. The promise continued. And then so they're in there for 430 years. And then they begin to get numerous and all these things happen. And, and then the Pharaoh begins to cause all, the, all the, the pain and the pressure to come on the children of Israel. He decides he's going to force slavery on them. They're going to work ruthlessly. Uh, he made the Israelites' lives bitter. That's what the scripture says, bitter and harsh. He caused the midwives, those that were helping the, the, the Israelite children to birth their babies. The, the Pharaoh said, I want you to murder these babies at birth, if it's a boy. Murder the babies. Is there a correlation? I'll leave that to you. I'm just saying there's a process, and this was a part of the process that God led them through. And then, of course, the, the midwives were afraid. They feared God. They wouldn't do it. And so eventually the Pharaoh says, just take all the babies, all the newborns, and throw the boys and throw them into the river. It was a horrible situation. Then eventually God raises up Moses. Moses shows up. He comes on the scene. He was raised in Pharaoh's house. He left. Eventually he left because he knew there was a call of God. He knew there was something on his life. His heart began to be turned because Moses was a part of the process. It's a part of the process, church. Don't think that you're one of these people that are just out here. Let's not look at our lives and say, you know what? Maybe, maybe God, maybe I'm not a part of the process. Maybe I'm just a part of the audience. Maybe I'm just somebody that stands off out there and just watches things happen as opposed to making them happen to God using my life. I want you to know today, you are in the process. God brings Moses on the scene. Moses uh, eventually ends up out 40 years in the wilderness, out on the backside of the desert. 40 years, probably thinking, my life is over. God's done with me, or I, I blew it. Like many of us, I've blown it because I didn't live up. To, look what they did and look what I did. Well, you know, here's the thing. Don't compare yourself to other people. God knows where you are. He knows, what's, he knows what he wants to do in and through your life. And that's to keep his promise, to fulfill that promise that you will be blessed and you will be a blessing. And so anyway, long and the short of it, he goes on down and, and eventually uh, he comes back and he gets the children of Israel after the plagues and he leads the children of Israel out. I know I'm going fast through this. 
But there's a lot that takes place in this. Once he gets them out into the, the desert, and they're actually, actually they're getting ready to go and they're gonna have the, the Passover, they're gonna have the Passover dinner, meal. And Jewish people do this to this day. But this is what, in, in Exodus chapter six, verse six and seven. And this is the four things, these are the four I wills. And see, we might go, well, that was for them. This is for us. Same thing, God's doing the same thing for us. Let me read this. Exodus chapter six, verse six and seven. He says, therefore, say to the Israelites, I am the Lord and I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will set you free from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God and you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. There's four quick things here I just want to point out because this is the process that God is taking us through. When we get saved, when we come to Christ, Christ, for me, when I came to Christ in 1972, this is what happened. He brought me out. He brought me out of that place of being lost. He brought me out. My life, was my life different? I was saved. But, but the thing was, I still had a lot of cruddy stuff in my life. It's a process. He brought me out like he did the children of Israel. He brought them out. Now, the thing is, is this would be called probably the cup of sanctification if you were going to compare it to the Seder dinner, which we won't even go into that. But basically, if, basically it's, it's sanctification. God says, you belong to me. And so here we are. We belong to God. Now, we're, we're focused many, many times on the promises. I want this, and I want this, and I want this. It's like going into a candy store sometimes. And I want that, and I want that. And God says, okay, those are fine. But it's about you. The process that you're in. And sometimes people live in this first place. Well, he brought me out, hallelujah. That's their testimony. Praise the Lord, the, he brought me out. That's great. But what happened after he brought you out? What happens after he brings us out? What happens? The second thing, he says, I will free you. And some of us might go, isn't that the same thing? Not at all. He brings us out and he says, you belong, you're mine. You're mine. I brought you out of that. Now you're free from all that stuff. But let's go back to the children of Israel. What happened in the lives of the children of Israel? Let me tell you what happened. They still had a slave mentality. They might have been living in the desert, quote, free from Pharaoh. But here's what happened. They still were, they, this was their cry. Why didn't we stay in Egypt? We could have stayed there. And this is what a lot of people do when we come to Christ. And instead of realizing we're in the process, we go through hard times and we go, well, God, you know, I thought it was going to be better. I thought all my problems were going to be gone. You said you would never leave me or forsake me. Right. As we walk through the valley of the shadow of whatever it is that we go through. He goes with us. And so basically, that second thing he says that I will uh, deliver you. I will take you from being slaves. See, there's a lot of people that are saved. And see, some people say, well, you can't be saved and have an addiction. You're wrong. You're wrong. You can be saved and have an addiction. God wants to free us from addictions. And see, some people are thinking, oh, you're talking drugs and alcohol? I'm talking all kinds of things that we can't get free from. Things that control our lives. Fear. Some people are addicted to the internet. Some people are addicted to all kinds of things. God wants to free us. He wants to set us free from all of these things. Instead of us just looking at addictions as like alcohol and drugs, it can be food. 
It can be social media. It can be television. It can be caught up in a lifestyle. I've got to have this and I've got to have that. God wants to free us. God brings us out. It's the process. The third thing he says, I will redeem you. And almost like, it's, is he saying the, the same thing? No, it's different. The third cup is the cup of redemption. It's redemption. That's what it is. It's redemption. It's a core value. God not only wants to bring you out, he wants to give you a different mindset and a different attitude, but he wants to also, you also know that he's paid for you. When the enemy comes back to you, when the these things come back and say, you know what? You belong to me. Don't you remember what you did? Wait a minute. God paid for me. These are four, every promise in the scripture. And we, I don't know, we've talked about 7,000 or whatever. I didn't count them. But these four promises right here, every promise in the scripture fit into these. Every scripture, scriptural promise fits into these four promises. I will redeem you. I will set you free. I will will redeem you. I will pay the price for you. And that's what he's done. So we might sit here today. We might live our lives today thinking that I just, oh, I'm afraid I'm going to go back. We belong to God. You know, I've never in 41 years, never felt like, oh my gosh, I'm going to come home and Dana's going to say, you know, I married somebody else. Why? Because she didn't marry to me. You know, she's married. She, we belong to each other. We belong to God. And so when things come on us and start trying to pull us back, it's just uh, uh, God says that I will redeem you, and that's what he has done. The last one today is I will take you as my own people. I will take you as my own people. I will take you as my own people. I will bear, uh, and I will be your God. As we live in a community, and that's what we do, it's really hard over these last six months because our community has been so scattered It's just been scattered. You know, we don't see each other very much. When we see each other, we can't hardly recognize each other because we got masks on. I saw somebody the other day, and um, I don't remember where I was. But, oh, I don't remember who it was. It's probably happened two or three times. And this person came up, and they said, who's behind that mask? They recognized me somehow. But the thing is, is we're a community. But we've been scattered in so many different directions But here's the thing is, is that we are in a process. And this process is even what's going on right now. This is a part of the process. Let's come through this better. Let's come through this better. As we live in community with other believers, we naturally begin to find opportunities to praise God or not. And if we can begin to find praise. This morning, I got up. I had some, some, just some challenging things that take place from 6.30 in the morning until I get here. And, and so I, I'm, I'm setting, I'm, I'm going through all this, I'm navigating through all this stuff. And I went home for a little while and I sit there and I just decided I'm just going to praise God. Why? Because everything that can press in is going to press in. Going to tell you, you don't belong going to tell you this is not you're not doing the right thing going to tell you you know what you've made too many mistakes going to tell you God doesn't care about you all these things but God is a God that says you are my people we are God's people church we're God's people this is a process I wish I could tell you that we have about three more weeks and it's over but I don't think so we mean with what I mean the process I'm not talking about this COVID thing I don't know about that I don't know nothing about that. I'm just saying the process that we are in. And so God, here's, here's the thing is, is God wants us to be comfortable knowing this, that whatever we go through, that he has brought us out, that he's brought us out, 
that he has, he's redeemed us, that he has, uh, he has set us apart. We are sanctified. We're set apart for him. Sanctified is just a fancy word for saying set apart for God. I belong to God. This ring says, I belong to a person where, 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 where we belong to one another. But what God puts inside of us, his spirit, we belong to God. I think the enemy... I don't know, I just feel like there's like a, this thing, and I don't know, maybe it's just on me, but I think there's this thing that's trying to cause people to feel disconnected, trying to cause people to feel like that, you know, all those years that they were in the process and things were going a certain way, and then it's almost like a bomb hits, and everything is so different, and then it's almost like, who are we, and why are we doing this, and why are we going through this? It's a process. I can imagine the children of Israel in the desert were thinking, promised land why are we here 40 years they were out there wandering around because God was trying to get the heart and the mentality of a slave out of them God wants to get us get all the mentality of the world out of us and that is a hard hard thing so we yield we just yield I want to take a minute this morning and I want to pray for us I want to pray that somehow that we will just be able to rest in knowing that we are where we are, whatever we're going through. You know, being a pastor, I talk to a lot of people about a lot of things. I listen to a lot of people about a lot of things they're going through. And sometimes I feel like I need to have an answer, but the truth is, I don't. Other than just don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Because the process that you're in and the process that I'm in, the end result is that we're going to become who God wants us to be at the end of all of this. Let's pray.